Hello, everybody. Welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. Well, Tyler, we're going to go out to California, your neck of the woods, being a California boy. And because I want to find out what's going on, this is one of the great coastal states in America, of course, uh, just as a destination, but also one of the leading states in terms of the thinking and policy on the American shoreline. So we have a great guest today that we're going to talk to and take a, a close look at what's going on on the California shoreline. We're going to be talking today to Mandy Sackett. She's the California Policy Coordinator for the Surf Rider Foundation, one of the great advocacy organizations on the American coast. And uh, it's going to be a good t- discussion, I hope. No question about it. Uh, this is a continuation, on one hand, of a conversation we had a couple weeks ago on uh, the armament in Orange County. There was a permit before the Coastal Commission. The Coastal Commission went against staff recommendation and rejected this armament uh, proposal. And uh, the permit was not issued. And there at the meeting testifying against this permit was Mandy. So we've got her on the program today. We're going to talk about that issue. We're also going to talk about everything going on in California. It's obviously an amazing coastal state with a lot of coastal issues. But before we get into it, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering with 28 offices along the Gulf Coast. The folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numeric modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. And now they have a brand new coastal resiliency department headed up by our very own Peter Ravella. Check them out at LJA.com. We are also brought to you by Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants prides itself on offering specific environmental and horticultural expertise with practical first-hand knowledge of all aspects of coastal revegetation projects. Their high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, along with their skilled and respectful crews, make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring coastal ecology of your barrier island community. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. And we are brought to you by the Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They can handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at the thedunesciencegroup.com. Uh, Mandy, thanks for joining us on the American Shoreline Podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Big fan. Glad you are. Thanks for listening. And uh, we're glad to have you on the, sh- on the podcast to walk us through some of the issues going on in California. Tell us about how you got to Surfrider. How what? How did you end up in California? We, we we understand from your area code that you're not your phone is not a California number. No, that's an uh, Ohio number, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I am from um, Cleveland, Ohio, the east side of Cleveland, and I um, I fell in love with sort of the marine environment, coastal environment um, through sailing. I um, you know like. Cleveland is located right on Lake Erie, the shoreline of Lake Erie. And so I grew up racing little dinghy sailboats, which eventually um, progressed into 
going traveling to regattas on the east and west coast and um sort of really just fell in love with the ocean and the marine environment and uh, led me down this path of wanting wanting to protect where i love to recreate tell me uh we we cover on the american shoreline podcast network all of america's coasts and in fact we go beyond the borders as well because we're all connected here on the shoreline but tell us uh what's your favorite recollection of the great lakes shoreline oh gosh i it's such it's a really beautiful shoreline it is um definitely not as accessible as here in california but we have um really beautiful um beaches believe it or not they're a little rockier than than coastal beaches and i have some great memories of just you know sailing with my parents and my brother off around the lake we there we actually even have a couple little islands in the lake that you can sail to they're you know 20 miles or so offshore and you know people live on them it's 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 really amazing so going out there is one of my one of my you know favorite experiences growing up was seeing you know just being able to be in nature there you know a lot of big portion of the islands are undeveloped there's a lot of sort of seabirds and other marine life so it's really beautiful the the great lakes are amazing they really are uh but i have to say you know you 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 left the great lakes and you went out to california and uh you know i've got i've got relatives out in the midwest and you know they they look at that move to California. I'm just curious to know what your family thought about that trading your Great Lakes shoreline for the West Coast. Yeah, well, you know, they complain that I'm far, but they understand I'm I am where I'm meant to be. I uh, I started surfing when I was 18, and I I just really haven't been able to leave the ocean <laughs> ever since, and sort of made it my life's mission to protect our beaches and waves. Mandy, California policy coordinator sounds like a pretty big job for Surfrider, given the scope of issues in California on our on the California beaches. Uh, what? How did you get into that position? Um, and what did you have to study to become the policy coordinator? What was your background? That seems like a complicated job. Um, you know. It can be. I studied marine policy, um, actually international marine policy in Monterey, California. I got a graduate degree and um, really have fo- focused my studies actually on on state law. And um, and once I graduated, I moved to Sacramento for some time as a Sea Grant Fellow, which Ah, is a NOAA-funded program, yeah, and sort of learned how government worked and worked with our Ocean Protection Council. The the California Ocean Protection Council is a division of our Natural Resources Agency. Yeah, and then I've been working for a surfrider for about five years now. Wow. Well, you're hired. I would say that was a great background. <laughs> well, I, I would agree. I would agree. I'd give you a raise. I don't know what you're making, but they need to increase it. Well, they've got Take great it. people over there. That's for darn sure over at the uh, California Surfrider Foundation. Um, and, of course, uh, you guys advocate for uh, public access and clean water and you know, basically good surfing, uh, you know, a good, a good wave. Uh, and, uh, we, I came across footage of you as I was researching this Nigel 
Shores development, coastal development permit that was before the California Coastal Commission. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, we spoke about it on a couple of weeks ago's pod. But, you know, uh, I would love, Mandy, for you to just take us through what the she issue was. She testified, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. She testified in front of the commission. Would you mind taking us through uh, the background in your own words? What happened there uh, at, at that great beach, the Strand? Sure, I I can um, and happy to. You know, it, it was a really great victory um, and it was, you know, in a way more complex than sort of meets the eyes. It's sort of, I think, a result of, you know, years of progress of our um, consistency in appearing before the California Coastal Commission advocating for smarter decisions as to how we manage our shorelines. And um, we are consistently there advocating against new shoreline armoring or hard arm the hard armoring of our coast because of its impacts on beaches and you know with sea level rise drowning our waves if the back of the beach is fixed and our our beaches and coasts don't have space to migrate inland i think you guys have talked about the coastal squeeze before in this podcast um you know so that's really what sort of is behind this and you know i um there we appear and come before the coastal commission every single month they meet monthly and so this is one of um, some of our recent success stories um but to get into it basically what happened was um well i have to i have to go back actually it's it's an interesting and complex shoreline armoring more so than others that we work on so um before the before the California Coastal Commission was even created, this was, you know, back in the 60s, um, the Orange County, um, they decided they wanted to set aside this land, which is now known as the Miguel Shores Community Association, and they wanted to sort of regrade this this bluff and an ancient landslide so that they could build residential development on it. Um, and so... By, you know, sort of the late 70s, they had started building out the Nigel Shores Community Association, and they realized that um, there were some parts of the slope that were unstable. And so the Community Association sued the county of Orange, Orange County, and um, as a result of that settlement, Orange County had to... Um, the courts deemed that they were in charge of managing the slope and the stabilization of the slope. And the coastal engineers that work for the county or that were appointed by the county determined that there had to be um, armament at the toe of the slope in order to keep it from sliding. And that was sort of their, that was sort of the impetus. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't because of an immediate danger, but as, sort of more of a preemptive proactive approach yeah. because they didn't I, I, want Man, yeah, Mandy let mm-hmm. me let me ask a question so just to paint the picture a little bit more it, it, you got a California beach and uh, and up at the top of the beach is a bluff that may be 30 40 feet high unprotected unstabilized and on top of that bluff is this growing subdivision and they want to put some okay that's is that the, is that the picture Yes, that's right. And it's um, so Strands Beach is a beautiful beach. I mean, like fine, 
white sandy beach it's got like some of the nicest sand around it's really soft it's um really picturesque because on sort of the north and south ends of the cove it's sort of like a cove beach on the north and south ends are um sort of rocky outcrop points that are really beautiful there's like surf on both ends that you know people love to go down and surf um it's just super picturesque a beautiful like quintessential california beach um and so yeah it's a it's a lovely place and it's beloved by you know people who want to visit the beach and who want to surf just a legendary um, beach really i mean we're yeah. talking about go google up the strand from in the 60s you'll find the coolest vintage photo- like surf photography uh you know surfing legends that pioneered uh the sport in the 60s would surf there so um just a you know really and and I can see why special it's really special mm-hmm. and Mandy I can see why you guys at Surfrider circled it and said you know what we've really got to keep an eye on this this permit Right. And it's also um, the waters adjacent to the beach are part of California's state network of marine protected areas. So we've got like 20 marine protected areas throughout the state. And then this is this one is the Dana Point um, Marine Conservation Area. And so it's really rich and abundant with marine life. There's dolphins, I think, because of the cove that love to come. There's even like been dolphin birthings in the cove and there's tons of seabirds um endangered snowy plovers it's a really cool place rad um and just one other thing as far as sort of painting the picture of the beach to the south so the southern portion of the beach um actually already has a huge seawall um with a big walkway on top that's built out you know basically takes up 20 or 30 feet of beach space which is which is, you know, almost the entire beach. And at high tide, there is no beach. And California's beaches tend to be pretty narrow. And so um, we, we had the opportunity, this was sort of our opportunity to save the northern half of the beach from the same fate. Okay, let me see if I'm following you. Because this is definitely, thank you so much for doing this, because this is the level of detail we didn't get when we were doing this <laughs> I discussion complex, before. I have barely even uh, gotten into it yet. But, um... <laughs> The, uh, the, the, the the bluff is unstable. The homeowner association sues the county, gets them to do it. They come up with an engineering plan. They're going to put a wall, uh, this is in the 70s, on the beach to protect the bluff. And that's going to eat up 15 or 20 feet if it was in line with the other wall that was already there? Um, yes. So wow, a, I could a see why you were concerned. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there was there was a, uh, a very small rock revetment at the base of the of the of the bluff already um but it doesn't take up really much beach space they basically wanted to get rid of that and build build one out you know that would take up in for some portions of it 25 feet of beach space which is basically the entire beach and um and it's really frustrating. You know, we have the county and the county's engineer saying, well, we're going to put a walkway on top of it. So that should be enough mitigation. You know, we at least you can still walk down there. And to, from Surfrider's perspective, that's absurd. We <laughs> we can't sacrifice our beaches, you know, the recreational opportunities they provide, the important coastal habitat they provide for, you know, 
concrete walkways on top of them. That's ridiculous. Right. No, no kidding. And not even close. Not even close. But it it reflects the changing uh, kind of perspectives. I mean, Southern California, when we talk about the broader state context later on in this conversation, I'm sure that what we'll hear is that um, Southern California is very armored. And in the 50s, when the population of California boomed after World War II and developments just swept across Southern California, and of course, the best place to be was along the shoreline, there are there is a lot of engineering. There's a lot of, of structure and hard armoring. I didn't know that. Along the Southern California really? coast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there was a cool effort. Um, Dr. Kiki Patch, she's out of um, California State University, Channel Islands, just mapped all of the Ventura um, County. Coastal Armory in California. Yeah. So sh- sh- we have basically all of the seawalls. She mapped all the seawalls. Send it to in, us and uh, we'll, we'll put it on Coastal News today. Yeah, absolutely. We, we'd put that up. Yeah, we'll run sure, it. It's really interesting. And they did a cool like interactive sort of mapping program. So. Well, anyway, back to the back to the story. So, so the the county, uh, you know, is go ahead. They're gonna they propose this wall. They've done what they were supposed to do. And right. So, um, so you know, over over the years, there were some sort of concerns with like cracking foundation and different issues, and so um, the community association. or at least certain contingency, several folks of the community association were advocating for a bigger seawall, for a new seawall. And this this actually brings us all the way up to the early 2010s. Um, You know, the 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 um, the there were a few events of destabilization or concerns, um, but really, you know, overall, the 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 land the ancient landslide has not moved you know there really haven't been any major activity and so you know from our perspective it's it's questionable the right. need is so, questionable I mean, still it's it's fair to say that the folks on top of the bluff are a little more nervous about this than the folks down on the beach surfing right yeah, yeah. and and you know it's funny it's really um, that sort of the, um, I guess the dynamic and the concern that we're facing up and down the coast of California is, you know, home blufftop and beachfront homeowners are wanting to preemptively protect their homes and it's at the expense of our public beaches. Um, so, well, we yeah, got, it. we well got it. said, we no, it, it is. I mean, it perfectly it's, it, encapsulates it. it. It really does. It really shows that offset of interest, but going back down into orange County, into this permit what's what i'm hearing mandy is that there is a you know a 50-year effort now to armor uh that piece of shoreline and it's frankly astounding that it didn't happen 50 years ago when you look at the shoreline i mean how fortunate are we i mean it really speaks to the uniqueness of this space that it's you know I I understand that there is currently a a small riprap yeah, up against the bluff though mm-hmm. right exactly so it's not it's even still it has it's been altered it's not like it's just in its native state right. but 
um, to, you think about the, the, how fortunate we are that that's, that's the limitations because, you know, the Southern part of the beach was built up, you know? So I see why you guys focused on it. Now let's bring it into, uh, the, the, the meeting, which by the way, I watched the video of this thing. This occurred in like hour six, five and a half of this nine hour meeting. I want to say was the, the full length of this coastal commission meeting. Mandy, do you go to all it these was, meetings? It was a really long day. And yes, I do go to most of them. We have two staff that sort of cover the meetings. So, um, you know, if they're in Northern California, sometimes I miss them, but I cover almost all of them. Um, and yes, it was a very long day. Wow. Um, you know, and our kid, the high school kids who came and joined, they're all um, kids from the area who are really upset about potentially losing their beach. And, um, and yeah, they were so patient all day. It was incredible. Um, but that's, I mean, that's sort of the nature of, of getting involved in the public process, right? We, it's a long day, but it's, it's democracy. It's worth it. Way to go. That's <laughs> absolutely true. It's hard work to do to this country. To do it right. Um, so um, the the issue before the commission, right, is whether to approve or disapprove the permit to the county to upgrade the wall and move it 15 or 20 feet seaward of the bluff, eating up the last. With big old rocks. I had no idea that the beach in front of that was already lost. So this is truly a fight because there will be nothing. I mean, right? I mean, that's the risk here that at high tide, there's no dry beach at all. Well, I think. Right, it, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the beach. Well, when you say in front of it. Yeah, in the new alignment. Right. High tide would reach the proposed position th- of this wall, right? Mandy, are we right about that? Yes. So, wow, that's okay, amazing. so so you get up and testify. Um tell our audience the kind of the the thumbnail of what you had I mean, to say. Well, and before we get I to your testimony, I I I I want to hear that as well, but I mean you guys must have been feeling pretty outgunned at this moment. Staff is recommending that, yeah, they can do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, were you, were you guys feeling forlorn at this moment or were you optimistic? How, what was the, what was the morale like with the kids and you, you know, I'd say the kids were probably a lot more optimistic than we were. (laughs) Um, It is really hard when the staff recommendation is not in alignment with our ask. And, you know, we, we like to be in alignment with staff, of course, and we try to, um, you know, advocate to them as much as we can, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, They did come forward with, I think what could have been a really strong mitigation package. They were recommending, you know, a $14 million mitigation fee. Um, We had some suggestions about, how that should have been spent if they did pass the seawall. Um, we would have liked it to have been spent on, you know, some type of living shoreline or hey, restoration Mandy, of the let beach. Me, let me um, interrupt just a little bit to clarify, because I don't under, uh, mitigation is a term that can, in this setting, can mean either to offset the loss of access or to, or some environmental mitigation like wetland, wetland mitigation. Could you explain a little bit about what the issue, mitigation issue was? Sure. So in this case, it would have been mitigation for taking up beach space. So what they did was they calculated, you know, the square footage of what this seawall would have taken up on Sandy Beach. And they um, 
basically compare that to the same square footage, what it would cost on in real estate value to on top of the adjacent bluffs, wow. just as lot, just as land. And That's so they said inventive. this is so it's called yeah, it's called the real estate valuation method. And wow. so they huh. said Never so heard that's of that. what um you know that's what you would have to pay if you want to take up this much space for the purposes of protecting private development. Okay, so they put a price on that. It was fourteen million dollars, and as I understand it, the wall itself was eleven million dollars in construction. So, right. oh, and and so then it was sort of open ended as to what you would do with the fourteen million bucks, um, I guess. And what what did y'all think should be done with the fourteen million dollars? So, you know, we would have preferred it to have been spent on, um, you know, a living shoreline approach, <clears throat> excuse me, on some type of method that would restore or create new beach space elsewhere. And there are opportunities for that right there in South Orange County. There are beaches that are eroded where, you know, there could be some type of cool project that includes like managed retreat of maybe some parking spaces and restoration of maybe some dune habitat and maybe some sand nourishment along with that or, or cobble nourishment. A lot of our beaches have a, a lot of cobble component to them here in Southern California. And so um, to us, that would have been so much more preferable than just, you know, building stairways to beaches that, you know, might also be disappearing or to building, you know, trails or something like that. Wow. That's very interesting. That is. I mean, this is what advocates do. I mean, you really, you know, you really got to get it deep into the system, go to all well, these meetings it sounds, and really get, I mean, this is really a To high get level. to my morale question, yeah, it sounds right. like you guys already had a managed retreat in mind. You were like, okay, if they approve this, this is, this is a damn fine mitigation number. Yeah. We could do some we cool were, work with this. Right. Yeah, we were, exactly. We were asking yeah. and our pre preference was denial, of course, but we didn't want to just bank on that and not comment on you know how to spend that money <laughs> right good offense and good defense a little bit of both right. yeah well i'm happy that uh the line was held even though the mitigation number seems to be appropriate yeah um because at the end of the day uh this is an important space you know recreationally that no dollar figure could i mean 14 and a half million i don't know this real estate valuation method 14 and a half it might have been a good number uh but so you could do something with 14 million you bucks. you could but i mean this this would have really set this beach back on its heels yeah sounds like Go, well, i'm talking about for the future time, you would and it now, would just change it so mandy yeah. um okay so you testify and these 10 local Kid, high school kids get up and testify in a very, I understand, coordinated way. Um, uh, so, t I w which is amazing. And what I want to know about is, were you at all persuaded by what the advocates for the project had to say? I mean, what did you, how did the kids react to somebody standing up? This is, you know, this is, I just wonder what that experience was like for them. Because you really are believing in what you're doing. You're, you know, you take time and sit for five and a half hours to get to the agenda item. I mean, this is real stuff. To dissent. To, yeah, to dissent. And and then, you know, the, the proponents get up and, you know, I used to be a lawyer. I'm telling you, when people tell the truth, the, the story in a way that's inconsistent with your own, it can, it can feel pretty, 
you know, like upsetting because you're like, that's bullshit. You know, you say stuff mm-hmm. like that to yourself, you know, <laughs> but did you, what did you think of what the, what they did, what the, what the proponents had to say? You know, it can be very emotional when homeowners come before, you know, the, the commission um, and say, hey, I just want to protect my home. This is where I live. This is this is what I've saved my entire life to to do. And I want to pass it on to my kids. And, um, you know, and the commission can often, you know, really sympathize with that. Um, and so, you know, from our perspective, you know, there there needs to be an equally balanced counter argument to that in that, you know, these are our public resources on which all of our recreational opportunity, coastal recreational opportunities rely, you know, our coastal economy relies on having, you know, strong, healthy coastlines. And, um, and, you know, the beaches are by law public resources. And so to sacrificing them at the expense of, of private development, just, it's just not right. Um, that was convincing, you know, really with each, with each decision, permitting decision on shoreline armoring and development on the coast we're making right now in the face of sea level rise, we're deciding which beaches we want to save and which ones we want to sacrifice because we know the seas are rising. And if we, if we fix the back of the beach, then, you know, it will be gone and there's good science to prove that. Do you ever, when you're standing in the back of these meetings, uh, commingling with both sides, ever just go up to a homeowner and say, "Hey, could we just buy you out? Would you could could the, could the public ta- would you be down? What, you, what do you mean? You wouldn't walk I out. Mean, That's a three million dollar question. <laughs> well, no, I but I mean, I mean you're, you're back it's there. Not like it's I'll a, give you a twenty. <laughs> it's a long day." It's a you long know, day. Um, you know what I mean? I'm I'm just wondering I'm I'm wondering if you guys ever have that moment of you know g- going to that point. I mean, you know, we I have definitely had conversations where I've told them, you know, I sympathize with with you wanting to protect your home, of course. I'm, you know, I'm doing my job and speaking for the marine life and the all the folks from inland communities who rely on having a nice coastal free place to cool off in the summer heat, you know, it's it's an environmental justice issue in that regard. Um, and so, you know, I I do think that there is an opportunity for buyouts. That's still a really big question. I know um, in the throughout the whole country and in California, who's gonna who's gonna pay for removing removing coastal bluff top and beachfront pro- yeah. property? Most you know, expensive in the state. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so there's not a lot of clarity on that um, yet, and it's something that we're pushing at the state, at sort of the higher state level for our agencies, not just the Coastal Commission, but, you know, the Ocean Protection Agency, Resources Agency, our planning agencies um, to to figure out, you know, to yeah. make a plan, make some programs. And, that and is, that's, I think, well, I, yeah, it's a big hole. It's it's that's policy coordination right there. That's what the job is, because what an agenda. So there you are at the meeting. The kids have testified. We've learned a little bit about how you relate to the the proponents. And I really appreciated that. Actually, it was a perspective I didn't expect. I was 
the empathy that you can show and understand and but the the rightness of the public interest here and mm-hmm. so um you know how does the hearing play out i mean uh you know everybody gets up and talks i guess the staff does their deal um tell us about the vote when when the first yes came no came i would be interested to, what did you feel like i mean was it because it was unanimous it was five zero right it was unanimous. There's more than five. I think it oh, okay. was. Was everyone? I think it was eleven zero. Oh my gosh! Well, that's yeah, even. 12, well, that's even more of a crazy large body. Did you, that's a yeah. shutout. You guys, that's a yeah. That's better smoked than, them. That's incredible. Yeah, eleven zero. Yeah, I mean. Once, um, you know, Commissioner Sarah Amanzada really set the tone. She was the first commissioner to deliberate after the public finished giving their comments. And, you know, she really reinforced our points that this permit, it just it wasn't constructed in a fair way. It was it was footing essentially the taxpayers or Orange County with the entire bill of not only protecting the public um, the public property, but also with the mitigation fee without, you know, without the homeowners as co-applicants on the application. And that sort of is unclear as to whether they have to be or not. We were arguing that they arguing that they do as, you know, the recipients of the protection. Um, and so, you know, I think that the commissioners really saw that there were some big flaws with the with the permit, with the application, and with the staff recommendation okay. as it was laid out. Let me ask so. you a question here, because I think that commentary that you surmised was really interesting. Um, and it makes me, now I understand why you started with the litigation. Way back yes. in the day, <laughs> the, uh, the, the Homeowners Association sued the county, and in a settlement, the county agreed to accept responsibility for the maintenance and protection of the bluff. Which means today, this $14 million mitigation cost, $25 million project is foisted upon the taxpayers of Orange County. They have to write the check. And, you know, I got to think, if you're a public decision maker, that makes me uncomfortable. Whatever the history was, the idea that this is a public expenditure, so the, the, here, is the, here is the county cashing in the public dry beach to to protect a small community of homeowners and then paying the bill i mean that's got to not sit right nope right (laughs) that is not fair that's not fair that just (laughs) is not gonna work uh and but but the staff you know it 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 managed to work its way through all the way to this point yeah i mean that's that's crazy. Desperation, you know. But, but so, Mandy, what I want to know, so we're at 1-0 now. I want to kind of go down there. Did you think, no, I'm serious. Like, this must have been like watching a race and you're like two, man, okay, because you're counting. We need six to win. And it just, it just right. I mean, what was that? I mean, did they talk enough about this? That what, Tell us, I want to know more about that. You know, so not every commissioner chimed in, but we were, you know, as everybody was deliberating. So sort of how it works is each commissioner will sort of give their initial thoughts. And usually they're very cordial with each other and sort of saying, you know, defer, defer to my colleagues, want to hear more about what everyone else thinks. So sort of like they're having a conversation in front of everybody up there. And so, you know, we have a couple of commissioners who we know are are strong um, from our perspective on shoreline armoring issues. And they did a really great job sort of advocating and leading the conversation in the beginning. And so we had, um, you know, we, at, 
as they started deliberating, I started becoming very hopeful, like, oh, wow, we might have this. And then, you know, we're running the numbers of as each person speaks and we're like, oh, we think we have five. I think we have six now. I think we have seven. So, yeah, it was really. Wow. What what an amazing moment. Were you were the kids a part of that? Were you like, were you? They uh, must have cheered. Parlaying with the. Oh, my gosh. They were so stoked. Oh, my God. What a win. What a yeah, what really a win cool. for the really kids! It was really cool to have the kids there too. One of the commissioners even addressed them and said, "I can't look you guys in the face and say I'm going to destroy your beach." <laughs> so it was really it effective worked. to have them there. I'd say. Well, wow. so here's what we're talking about on our couple of weeks ago. We brought this case up as an example of some interesting decisions on armoring around the country. I won't go into it, but. Um, the the question I had was we were saying that the commission said we want a di- come back with something else and and Tyler said I listened to the video and there was no guidance like there was you know like do something else but what uh, and I thought I wonder what Surfrider thought should happen from here I mean the problem remains do you have a what when the commission says bring it back to us with a different approach what what could possibly be the other approach that you guys are you know what do you think. Yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, one, you know, we think that the county, Orange County, should go back to their to the county superior court and say, look, a higher court, the Coastal Commission, has told us we can't do this. We need to be absolved of our settlement agreement. Uh, Perhaps so re- rehash the agreement. So that's one component. Okay, we kill their power. To, we think that needs to be revisited. Okay. Um, you know, and... Um, there, the second thing is that we think that there needs to be a public process. We need to have the opportunity to go in really thoroughly, be able to transparently look through all the alternatives analyses and make sure, you know, maybe the public has a suggestion that hasn't been explored. Maybe mm-hmm. there's, maybe there are other options okay. Maybe that we can put each house on caissons. You know, we want to make sure that we have the opportunity to okay. really vet the engineers, you know, Sure. Their recommendation. I like both of those. And, you know, part of that sort of absolving the county of its responsibility and the agreement would mean the cost somehow shifts with it. But look, I'm trying to get to this harder question that Tyler and I really were sort of like, what could you what, what are we going to do? Because of the squeeze thing, the sea levels are coming up. Mm-hmm. The bluff is there. There's really not going to be any beach. And if you, as you said, if you fix the top of the beach, the fix the location, if you armor it, the beach is surrendered, period. It's just a matter of time before all the sand in front of the wall is gone. I would say, Tyler, in Ventura, where we and I have been, been. But so, so, but that's what I'm asking about is Surfrider as an organization. And what can be done with respect to the physical problem? I get that we just need to open it up and everybody gets to see it and we need to really work our asses off. But what are you looking for? Do you know, is there something that you can hope would be responsive to, you know, the folks up on top of the bluff and the community? And as as you so eloquently uh, described. Um, So are you, do you mean alternatives as far as for this particular location? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I think it's such a tough problem. Yes, I am thinking of that context. Yeah, so I I mean, I think perhaps perhaps each house could, you know, 
could have additional caissons to make sure that it's um, it's steady and there, you know, is the is the seawall scaled down as much as it possibly could be, um, you know, to, so as to take up less beach space. Um, right. Yeah, I, I I think I think that's sort of why we want the public process to sort yeah. of hash out more. Well, I mean, I tell you, it's, it's kind of this is Tyler and I was discussion in the last show. We were looking at this decision, a decision in New York, New Jersey, not to uh, adopt an armored solution and Key West, where the Corps of Engineers said there are no walls possible. And we thought, wow, there's three examples in a row. And um, so it, it comes up kind of I, I completely can. You can't avoid being attracted to this notion that all up and down the California coast, the beaches are being lost. And because of the these development right on, the, as you described, in Southern California, right on the edge. So you've got to stop, stop it. The, uh, the beach can't migrate. I mean, that's well, got to be, that's, even, that's a bummer. Well, it is. <laughs> it is a bummer, man. But I, it's also, uh, it, it, we get into that planning horizon question again. You know, what is this, uh, my understanding from the, presentation is that the design criteria on this um, structure that we saw was 20 years. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> 20 years is uh, not a terribly long period of time geologically. And what we do know... Yeah, meaningless. Really. It's, it's meaningless. And that uh, with climate change and with sea level rise happening these spaces are going to need more space. They're right. going to be more dynamic. And uh, the notion of, of putting a 20-year yeah. hold on it, weird. I think, seems to be a little... What, what, what was behind yeah. that, Mandy? Do, do you have any idea? I mean, it's a reopener of sorts. It's like, we're going to give you authority to have this for 20 years, and then at the end of that, we could tell you to like, tear it out. I mean, what was this, what was the story behind this 20-year provision that Todd's talking about? Yeah. I can tell you it gets a little wonky. I have to warn you. <laughs> but, we um, love it. Wonk away. Okay. Okay. So um, the Coastal Commission, you know, staff, they do recommend these sort of duration conditions um, or reopeners, if you will, where, you know, they put a spe specified duration. Some seawalls, we've seen them put even only five-year durations on them. And, of course, the engineer, they've designed the seawall to last longer than that. But the Coastal Commission they don't want to they want to be able to have the chance to revisit and that's because there might be a legal hook for removal or for you know different types of adaptation like responses such as managed retreat the reason for that is because under the california coastal act only existing development is entitled to shoreline armoring so as these homes are redeveloped or demolished and new development put on on the lot they're no longer Eligible. entitled to protection got it and so once all those homes a, are redeveloped you know potentially the seawall could be removed man you know what i like about the duration provision so this is in north carolina at where tyler and i've been or here in florida we see this in some places on the i guess we've seen this maybe in texas but where they give a permit for temporary emergency structures like they did on Minnesota key right these are emergency temporary barriers <clears throat> and you see this in on the north carolina close with geotextile bags and fabrics yeah. these big sort of right but what Emergency. the hell is, what does temporary mean? Well, the California Coastal Commission, by using the duration clause, is temporary is five years. 
you know, they put a number and because there's no such permit that I've ever seen executed where they give somebody an emergency permit that is for a temporary stabilization that the thing ever is removed. It just doesn't right. happen. Yeah. At least in California, the clock runs out and you're like, okay. Well, you, gotta, you know, know, we do we do have the emergency permit loophole here actually as well. Um, they, you know, they the commission and staff have been getting stronger about trying to push push those to permits so that they can put sort of duration clauses on them. But often times our our emergency permits, you know, they're left unpermitted, and um, unfortunately, enforcement capacity with the coastal commission is limited and so some of them you know are just unpermitted wow and that's not better and yeah it's just such a tough problem um so how is it to work i know you work on other issues we're we're talking about Nigel shores here and in orange county and dana point but you know i know you do a bunch of other stuff tell our audience a little bit more about what's important in your universe of issues um, sure. So, you know, Surfrider, as you mentioned, we have a ton of priorities. We work on beach access, clean water, plastic pollution, coastal preservation, ocean protection. Um, so, you know, my my position is really focused on beach access and coastal preservation, sort of what we're talking about already. And, you know, the major threat that we're working on is sea level rise and our response to it. We're advocating you know, against the hardening of our coast with seawalls, as we're discussing today. And, um, you know, we are promoting managed retreat and other other softer solutions. And, um you know, so that's really the focus of my work, and I'm I'm happy to go into more examples or details of that of that type of work. Or, Can you take or us on our... a take us on a tour, if you will? We could start up north in the the rainforests of Northern California, or we could start <laughs> way Redwoods. down on the on the Tijuana uh, estuary. Uh, sure. On the southern shores, where would you like to begin? So yes, happy to do that. Why don't I give you a little um, update as to what we're working on in terms of planning? Awesome. Because yeah, we um, you know this is a very specific permitting item, but we are also working on planning for the coast, and a big component of that is addressing sea level rise in our plans. So um, to do that, I think I just want to give a quick background of the California Coastal Act and the Coastal Commission. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. In fact, we could use we could use a little background here. I, I need some. Yeah, a okay. little education. We're in Texas. Um, yeah, so it actually goes back to the seventies. Um, people in California were starting to get really upset because you know, as the coast was being developed, private homeowners, hotels, other development, they were shutting out the public. They were blocking access to the beach. Our wetlands were being filled. You know, the coast was just developing in a way that people were upset about. So a California Coastal Alliance rallied, sort of a voter initiative um, went through as a ballot referendum, and they passed Prop 20. Which Gotta love California. Yeah, It's so cool. Part of the it's people, so cool. baby. They established a coastal zone um, to regulate coastal development. And, and then the California Coastal Act of 1976 was born out of that. And the Coastal Commission was created to oversee permitting and planning with, you know, an established coastal zone. And the coastal zone varies here. It's like it can be just a few blocks and up to five miles, depending on population density. And then within that, there's 126 segments of coastal zones. So those are kind of in, in alignment with local governments, either county 
or um, or cities. Um, uh, wait, hundred? Did you say one hundred and seventy-six? Twenty-six. Oh, yes. God, that is a lot. And those, each of those areas, depending on whoever it is who's the lead, a segment. Each segment has its own local coastal plan. That's 126 plans to re, to write locally, review and approve at the state and implement. That is unbelievable. In in, in Texas, there's like 15. Well, there's 13 coastal counties and some cities. There's probably maybe, maybe about fewer than 20 coastal regulatory plans. Uh-huh. This is 126. Uh-huh. What a nightmare. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That sounds like so a each- lot of work. It is. Each segment is supposed to be certified so that they have planning and permitting principles that are in alignment with the Coastal Act. Um, Actually, 33 still have never been certified, but um, for the most part, they are. City of L.A. is is holding out, Um, which which sort of puts the burden of permitting for coastal development permitting since it's sort of this extra layer of permitting you have to get a coastal development for any development within the coastal zone you know it puts that burden on the coastal commission themselves um and the coastlet is so cool i mean it's just it was way ahead of its time it you know new development redevelopment can't rely on shoreline armoring is you know one of its key policies very early on yeah, and it reinforces that our beaches are public in California. It states that new development, all development can't block public access or public views to the coast, and that that access has to be maximized. So, like, if a new hotel goes in, they've got to put, like, trails on the seaward side of it and stairs to the beach and, and things like that. So it's That's it's great. so progressive. And then, of course, it protects sensitive habitat, environmentally sensitive habitat areas, um, and now we have a new component that California legislature just added um, a requirement that the commission review environmental justice as a key, as another key policy that, you know, we have to preserve access, preserve our beaches for Tyler, communities. I'm sorry, I'm going to ask Tyler a question because is that in the Texas coastal program? Do you, do you, I don't remember. I don't believe it is, Peter. I, I don't think we've seen that here yet. I don't believe I've. I don't believe this. To my knowledge, as a, as a decision-making is, criteria in a state permitting program to make environmental justice, it, it, this is why the West Coast is the most forward-thinking part of the American shoreline in a whole bunch of ways. I mean, that's and and it's quite appropriate with sea level rise. This is what the mm-hmm. whole social course forum was about: was about right. environmental equity and how it's going to displace, uh, uh, you know. Uh, communities that are historically, uh, you know, um, disadvantaged. Not disadvantaged. Right. Thank you. Yes. So to put yeah, that and in we, and is we do really, have, that's amazing. Go ahead, yeah, Manny. Yeah, I'm sorry, It's Manny. amazing. I mean, we do have some EJ environmental justice communities on the coast, not as many here, but, you know, it's also an access issue. Not, you know, you can think of access as gates and signs, but it's also affordability. People, can they afford to visit? Um, park stay overnight at the coast and so that's where the coastal commission our coastal commission can also regulate you know um, costs of hotels affordability of hotels and parking and those kind of things I I really appreciated that in that overview of the California Coastal Act that you said this is really cool and that is a policy coordinator because (laughs) look I think that's quite right and then you described why it it really to say that a statute is cool is you know I mean that is dedicated I loved it 
I was like, yeah, it is. That is cool. I mean, they were. This was passed in the seventies. A real cool statue. They're man. Way, they were so <laughs> forward thinking. Cool it's a cool law. It's a cool law. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, I get excited about it. Yeah. You can't tell. <laughs> That's why you're good at it. That's why you're good at um, it. Um. Yeah. So you know, and then um. So where was I? So then, you know, the Coastal Commission, they each, as each segment um, has their local coastal program, as I said, most of them do, and 33 are outliers, but now they are supposed to be updating their local coastal programs to plan for sea level rise. And the way the Coastal Commission is incentivizing this is they have their local assistance program, which is a grant program, and they're giving out grants. To, yeah, for local governments to develop vulnerability assessments and adaptation plans huh. to sea level rise and incorporate those into their vulnerability LCT, assessments. We were mm-hmm. speaking about those very things with um, Dr. Dr. Uh, Rob Young. That's and right. The, 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 oh, yeah. We, the, know, you know, we know Rob Young. Rob is, does these vulnerability <laughs> assessments and was explaining yes. what those are. And he's, I think he's come up with a great method. What, you know, think about this. They're going to have grants to these local uh, coastal pl- uh, entities to update the local close coastal plan for sea level rise. I'm wondering, like, okay, scientifically, right, the whole idea of understanding the sea level rise, you wouldn't think that each individual county would hire a consultant to talk about the sea level rise, that maybe that would be, like, here's the risk number, everybody, because that's a big deal. Yeah, like state-led. State-led. So how does it work? Did did every county have to sort of figure out what their own level of of sea level rise risk was? Because that seems really... It takes a lot of scientific horsepower. Why do one county or well, whatever? It, I mean, it seems like a boondoggle yeah. for the consultants. Somebody. I mean, yeah. for our consultant buddies out in California. <laughs> well, <laughs> Cha-ching. So how did it work? Um, so the state um, has done sort of the upfront work in terms of modeling. There was a big effort to get our our yeah. LIDAR mapping of our entire coast. So and, yeah, all the um, elevation data. Yeah, and um, and have also funded a lot of modeling, and so huh. um, so local governments can use that data um, and then sort of dig into okay, so what makes the most sense in terms of adaptation responses for our community? Got it. Mm-hmm. That sounds okay. Yeah, pick up the big ticket <laughs> item. It's way cheaper to get that da- uh-huh. data in bulk. It's consistent. It's yeah. you know the standard yeah. is and unified. You, do have to, you have to you know, fine tune it to local areas. There's nothing worse than quibbling with a, when a state person and a local person are quibbling yeah. over like, Oh, what, the what, line who of did the survey? Yeah. yeah right. You know, it's terrible. It's you terrible. know, there is still some of that here in California. Sometimes local governments, they don't want to use the data California provided. They want to use Noah's data or someone huh. else's data. That's less, you know, that's shows that it's a little less risky or happening, you know, not as fast. Okay. Um, but for the most part, you know, there, you know, there's acceptance that hey, this is, <laughs> this is the data, this is the science, and a so, lot of effort has gone into getting it right here in California. Let me ask you this: is, and I don't know if you get involved in the legislative arena as the California policy coordinator, but um, when 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 y'all get together, sort of the water cooler talk or the Surfrider annual meeting in California, and y'all are talking about you know, the, the, the California Coastal Act, you know, I don't know, I would assume it would come up. Like, what do you think? I mean, is there a sense that the law is where it needs to be in, in that kind of informal gathering? Or 
do you all think it needs to be amended and made better? And is there any deficiencies in the current regulatory? It's, I mean, it's old. This is this was written a long time ago. The basic <laughs> structure has been around a while. Yeah, you know, surprisingly few, but there are some really key things that we would love to to get written into the law and not okay. just be sort of interpreted policy. Um, but there's a lot of reticence to like open up the Coastal right. Act. Yeah, you know, because of course, who there else are very, is going to show up? Exactly. There are yeah. very strong, yeah. you know, yeah. efforts still to this day in in, yeah. in Sacramento to dismantle the Coastal Act. It comes from, you know, developers, real, real estate groups, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, you that's that, that, no, that's a real risk in, in political strategy. If you open a controversial mm-hmm. statute, you're not going to be the only one who's going to come in with the amendment package. There's going to be the cats yeah. with all the money. They're going to be there. Yeah. And uh-huh. are you going to win? You could end up making it yeah. worse. Yeah. But I will say there is one bill this year, um, SB 1100 for the 1100 miles of coastline. It's still in the works. But, you know, one of the thoughts is to put in there the definition of existing development. So this gets wonky again. But basically, as I mentioned before, existing development is the only development that is entitled to shoreline armory. Yeah, kind of a grandfather idea. What is existing. And so we... Mm -hmm advocate for and the coastal commission staff now um defines it as pre-coastal act so before 1976 when the coastal act was was put into place so essentially like some development is grandfathered in right um but some local governments want to interpret it as well it's existing today so yeah that's that's well that's that's driving a truck through the loophole my (laughs) god existing no it's you know that's that's well that's creative but you know but here's some of the tech the tougher questions on that stuff when you set one of these things up and you say okay no you're gonna be gut checked you, you have the right to armor if you're existing what does that mean? Does that mean somebody's sketch on a napkin? Does that mean an approved plat? Does it mean an actual built subdivision? I mean, they can say in 1976, I had the whole damn permit. Is that existing? I mean, right. they haven't, or how far built out does it have to be? I mean, yeah, legally is, existing. Yeah. Did this it is physically not, have to exist? Right. Is it, I mean, that's how you, uh, these things, and people will, of course, try to broaden them as much as possible. You totally. do have to be, yeah. so like, how does that work out? For yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it has to be so for by and large, there have been some small acceptance where Coastal Commission and the staff have interpreted otherwise. But it means it has to be a structure that was existing before uh, the Coastal Act was put into place. Okay. Yeah, there's better um, words but for that. It's, you know, but they're built, for example. The, <laughs> I think the, the problem is, you know, then the permitting goes to local governments who don't have it defined in their local coastal programs. And then, you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of up to their interpretation. So when so let's say we have a structure that has to be actually built in, in existence in 1976, they've got a right to protect their block. Right. Or yeah. Not just planned or oh, right. okay. graded for it. Or I got that. Like so that. over the yeah. course of the years, how much can you does that freeze the structure or, or can they update it? Can they upgrade it? Could you double the size? I mean, what are the rules on what you can do to a structure? Because this is 1976. You know, they're uh-huh. going to. You, you can paint it. I'm sure you could do that. What, yeah. I mean, um, repair and maintenance is covered, and it actually is. Um, so the def- that's also controversial. Um, 
but generally the definition is up to 50% of major structural components can okay. be improved. That's, that's yeah. a common number in a lot yeah. of regulatory structures. If it's more than 50% mm -hmm. damage, you can't rebuild it. Right, that's right. So people right. build right you know, rebuild well, right up to that. Well, but. we're going to do 25% three times. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, oh, we're going to strip it down to the very bare bones and say, look, right. it's, it's still 20 yeah, keep one of the like the studs and the old house yeah. and it's just <laughs> there's really the nothing there. there right we got this wall we're keeping this stick and then we're you know yeah 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 well that's some of the complexity that comes into being a state policy coordinator and the i mean i just i just i have an appreciation for this and that and how much you have to know to be good at this job. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, this is... It's an immense amount of knowledge. It right? is. We're way down in subsection C3 sub I in the <laughs> rules now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're way down there. Oh, we are. We're talking about the interpretation of existing and, 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 uh. and then the complexity of like rebuilding and what are the standards for that. I mean, this is yeah. deep in the rules, this kind of stuff. You know, yeah. this is way to go, Mandy. Yeah, uh, but it's our audience is going to eat this you gotta, up. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you gotta know those policies to be effective in advocacy. You do, one hundred percent. That's right. You really um, do. It absolutely. Yeah. So I think you know, just going back to LCP. So those those um, those grants have gone out. There have been about thirty-seven segments funded so far. Only three of them. I think we're up to three now, have been actually certified. So three updates for sea level rise Got planning it. have been. And they've all kind of been partial updates, but one of them sticks out as as sort of noteworthy that I could I could mention. Please do. I think I know what it's going to be. I'm guessing we've run it on Coastal News today. Okay, Go ahead. Um, sure, yeah. It's um, it's actually a couple, from a couple of years ago now, oh. Um Oh. from two years ago right. so yeah there well there's a few and i think this kind of brings us back around to kind of going going down the coast if you will right. come I on tell I me who it is talk about okay <laughs> so the city of san francisco I want to see if I'm right. the I ocean mean, beach master plan ocean beach. <laughs> was passed <laughs> um and i think this was 2018 sorry i, I should all right let me wait that <laughs> I need some. I need to get resurrected on this because listen, okay. this is a story that we ran, and I know you'll know it. There's a there was a town in in their sea level rise plan that adopted a retreat philosophy, mm -hmm. and they interviewed in the article that it, that I ran on Coast News today the Norwegian hotel owner, and he and and they said, okay, you own the biggest property on the front. Are you really cool with the fact that this town strategy is? we think the beach is more important than anything and it's going to come this way and we're just going to get out of the way. And he's like, yeah, I do. I think that's exactly the right thing to do. Cool. Do you know who I'm talking about or what town no. that was? It Damn might, it. uh, no, it might've been Pacifica. Um, huh. I was really, I was really impressed. I mean, I, I thought the town's forward thinking attitude and getting into this, getting past the takings issue was yeah. with the support of the community. I'm like, that's, that ain't happening anywhere else I've seen right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Pacifica, the city of Pacifica, you know, they there used to be a lot of support. It's sort of waned a little bit. Um, there's been sort of realtor group takeover there. Unfortunately, there's like there's some stalling with their yeah. with their planning efforts. We were is, I think is, we were covering their uh, their Airbnb uh, battle mm -hmm. uh, a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. I remember that they were in the midst of some real serious 
struggles there. Yeah, planning we struggles. try and stay out of those. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Those but let's 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 keep the tour going. Let's yeah. get, let's get right. back on the yeah, tour. Sorry, didn't mean to. Yeah, I mean, so um, I'll I'll start with San Francisco then, since I mentioned it, and I can pop back up to like Humboldt. But um, so San Francisco Ocean Beach Master Plan, um, it's just cool. It's just a cool plan. It has some retreat components. There's a lot of armoring at South Ocean Beach, which is another amazing beach. It's on it's you know it's on the Pacific Coast. It's not in the Bay of San Francisco, but it's actually the Pacific Coast, and the southern portion is just destroyed with riprap and trying to protect. Um, it's called the Great Highway, basically the the scenic highway that goes that goes along the beach adjacent to the beach, and um, and so road. they have this great plan to sort of relocate the highway inland and restore the beach. Um, and I have to give a lot of props to our local chapter there, who've been working on that for years and years, trying to get that plan in place, and it was passed. And so we'll uh, we'll see the fruits of that labor <laughs> coming to fruition here yeah. in the next couple of years. Uh, by the way, um, sorry. Marina, California. I just looked up the story. It's oh, online. Marina, yeah. yeah. How, um, so the headline of the story is, is California City shows how to retreat from rising sea level. And it was in the LA Times. It was a really good story about it. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt again. But Yeah, no no worries. We haven't um, worked closely on, on that one yet. It's still sort of earlier in the planning process. I think they just sort of finished their vulnerability assessment and starting on their adaptation plan. But it sounds like, you know, they have one of the best, um, one of the best coastal engineers, really progressive coastal engineer, um, Dave Rebell working on that. And he, um, I think has, you know, done some really great work to show how, you know, really retreat is a, you know, more economically responsible in the long run, you know, not just looking at short up to upfront costs, but in the long run and, um, you know, how we could, save our save our shores there it's a really yeah. beautiful you know dune beautiful beach with big dunes and so we're hopeful that will be another good lcp update with some great policies that are protective of the coast like it um yeah it's it's when you guys LCP. when you when you participate in these processes at the local level and and the surf rider representative shows up in the planning commission meeting or the work group i mean there's any number of places right how uh, how unwelcome do you feel or how welcome do you feel as coming in and they know Surfrider and they know you guys are good at what you do. And they, they, I mean, it's just the reputation precedes you. So w- when you show up, are people like, oh, no, or are they like, great, they're here. <laughs> um, what's that um, like for you? Yeah, What's your approval it's, rating? it's yeah. different everywhere. We've had, you know, a major, major issues if we go down to San Diego at this in the city of Del Mar, where their planning process for sea level rise, they went through the vulnerability and adaptation planning process. And Surfrider was really heavily involved. They were on sort of the the local community panel for right. coming up with these plans. And by the end, we felt very unwelcome. I mean, even just coming in as Surfrider staff, people were screaming at us, you don't even live here, like get out of yeah. here. That was a particularly heated one um, that the city of Del Mar and their plan is actually now just totally stalled um, because they couldn't really agree on policies with Coastal Commission staff. Hmm. Okay. Um, but I might come, might, well, come back Well, I've read around. that, you know, Del Mar, Pacifica, are cities that have really not taken sea level rise seriously and uh and you know they're like yeah no big deal or we're not 
they're property right oriented, I think. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, they don't, it, it, the homeowners have a very strong voice there. They've been really heavily involved, the, the bluff top homeowners and they want to be able to protect their houses sure. and the city, you know, the local governments are amenable to their residents' voices more so than sure. you know, Surfrider coming and just It matters who votes, who can vote, absolutely, yeah. 100%. From our perspective, it's, you know, it's all the community in Del Mar and surrounding Del Mar that, yeah. that's also being impacted by their policies. Also true. Yeah. This is a dilemma. I mean, the public interest extends beyond the immediate concerns of the homeowners, but when you're elected at the local level, um, you know, they'll vote yeah. you out if, you, if you're not mm-hmm. for them. You know, it's sort of like in, in uh, Connecticut, uh, you know, the submarine company, U.S. Boat, I think it was called, uh, that built the Tridents and stuff. Sam Gadenson, who was a very, very liberal congressman from Connecticut, when he was in the House, he voted for the Trident submarine every time. He was a peace net guy. Yeah. But... He was the representative for a lot of subs. They this is the industry of his district. And you're damn right. He's voting for it because they'll vote him out. I mean, the first thing you say, like, well, I don't think we should build this. His voters will say out. And so (laughs) this is kind of what you're talking about here. Yes. Sea level rise planning has become, you know, a voter issue for sure. People are paying attention to this in terms of elections, and it's not just here in Del Mar, but all across the state. We've seen it in Pacifica, in San Luis Obispo, in Imperial Beach, um, you know, and I'm sure other other places as well. Well, Mandy, what a great conversation! I mean, we just get a flavor. No, really, is we, a could, huge we could go state. on for three hours. <laughs> there's there's conferences about this. No, there is. But that, I mean, we'll have to do a part two or something. Yeah. And continue the tour. And yeah, like really. Yeah. We're only we haven't got. No, we're, we're in San Francisco right now. We haven't gotten. <laughs> we haven't got to go to Santa Cruz. I want to hear about that. I like Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, happy happy to chat as you guys would like. Sorry, okay. we uh, we didn't get to cover the whole coast, but um, all right. Yeah, that's no, we didn't get a... to cover the Ventura Retreat Project. And and uh, Mandy, I just got to say, I, I want to shout out right now Paul Jenkins, who oh, uh, Peter and I met with actually in Ventura. He toured the Ventura. Uh, this is the um, park. Yeah, the retreat. He's the chairman of the, the Ventura chapter of the Surfrider. Is he? Uh, Yes. Okay. And we toured the Matillaha Dam and went yeah, all the way cool. down to the Delta, the Ventura River Delta. And this is just a fascinating area right now. Um, the region is involved in a lawsuit over uh, the basically the, the rewilding of that river and how, how much draw the municipalities, uh, Ojai and Ventura, can take. Out of the river. Out of water the, flow. That's right. Water yeah. flow. Yeah. Um, but there in at the Delta, uh, there is a, a really innovative managed retreat project, which we've covered a few times, actually, on the network. Yeah, we've talked about that. Now, now that we've got Mandy on the phone, and so this is one that we should talk about. Because we should. We can. It's a successful, actually implemented shoreline retreat project. And one of the few, there's not a lot totally. of these in the country. So it's really Y'all rad. go ahead. What do you think, Mandy? Yeah. Give us a slowdown. Sure, I can. I can. As you said, Paul Jenkins, who is actually he's actually he has been running our Ventura um, chapter, but he's also on staff 
um, and because he's done such a great job. And so he's been shepherding basically this really cool managed retreat project in Ventura at um, what's called Surfer's Point for two decades. And sort of the that that has finally come to fruition after after much hard work. And it just kind of goes to show what it takes to at least at this point, get smart, um, smart adaptation, smart um, protections for our coast into place, because um, you know it took it took getting multiple um, government agencies on board with removing coastal infrastructure like a bike trail and some parking, and um, you know it's been a labor, it's been a real labor of love and taking a long time, but. Essentially, we, um, Surfrider and Paul, as as the lead, was able to get um, the fairgrounds, the Ventura County Fairgrounds, the county um, to agree to demolish a bike path, <laughs> remove the riprap that was protecting the bike path, and also remove a portion of um, coastal parking and restore the beach that would have other been there and it was at the Ventura River river mouth which forms this really great point break it's sort of the top of the point and it's a beautiful long um right hand point break it's just awesome and so uh, uh, Mandy is that a surfing uh-huh. thing because I'm not is that what that means <laughs> It's a good wave. Okay, it's that's a, a good wave. wave. Okay, that's a I got it. A point break. And, There's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a cool project because it has so many components. It has the managed retreat of the bike path and the parking. It has restoration. So they put, they added cobble, a cobble mattress and a cobble berm, sort of multi-layered, tiered layered berm. And they put sand on top of that and really like cemented some of the sand into the cobble berm and then they put dunes on top of that and Surfrider has been leading the effort to um, vegetate those dunes as sort of a volunteer program and it's been really successful it's held up against some big winter storms they got it they finished construction I think it was two years ago now and so it's it's been put to the test it's been working great and um and it's just become a really healthy, beautiful beach. And if you look at the before and after show photos, it's insane. I mean, it looks like it looks like a war zone, which is like riprap rubble all over like the beach. There's no beach. It's just it's so basically fake. shoreline. Yeah, it's crashing. so fake. I mean, I I uh, there are some amazing photos from just a couple years ago before they implemented this project of you know this this parking lot and bike trail came from an era of development where apparently it was cool to put palm trees in large concrete yeah. planters. And so what, you know, the, the shoreline er- right. eroded so deep that one of these planters like tipped over and the trees fallen into the ocean at a, at a, uh, you know, acute angle. Uh, it's yeah, it was a mess. It was a real mess. Yep. But, you know, and so this is a kind of example that we're advocating for up and down the coast. There's so much reticent to sort of to plan and to um, build our coastlines out like that and to and to move away from our knee jerk reaction of hard armoring because there aren't there aren't so many examples to point to and especially in California where you know our beaches we have a lot of wave action our beaches many of our beaches are nationally narrow and um, 
and yeah so so you okay, know we so need more me, examples we need more funding yeah to, i mean this is the thing i think like you know i hope people appreciate about what you just went through was you know it's a bike trail it's some parking areas there's some riprap that's going to be an restoration and people go well you know what you know there's a chance to look at that and say oh you know what's the big deal it's that's the thing but the the, the thing people need to appreciate and i think is absolutely truly uh why it is so difficult is when you talked about the number of players who had to be brought to the table who had to agree this is the county it's the county fairgrounds this is a revenue thing this is a public access deal it's there are so many entities involved that it takes Mm -hmm. you know years just to Mm -hmm. build a group of people who will say okay let's at least do this you know and that's that's the hard work of anything that looks or sounds like retreat on the American shoreline. It is just a battle. Well, at least right. for that even, era, even just for our public infrastructure. Yeah. You know, imagine you know fighting. Yeah, no homeowner there, but still, it's probably you know private public. I think our public you know, beachfront bluff-top structures should be you know our low-hanging fruit. Let's right. at least do that here. Right. Wow. It sounds like a, a really interesting uh, job. You've been in it five years. Um, uh, you, uh, how's the burnout potential on this thing? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's a, it's hard. You're traveling. You're going to these meetings. You're in small. You know, you're in local government groups. You got to go to every commission meeting. I mean, you go surfing to to get your energy right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we we um we embrace the enjoy part of our mission. Surfrider's mission is to pr- the protection and enjoyment of California's oh. ocean waves and beaches. That's so cool. we do try, we do try and work in some recreation at our meetings. And yeah, it can be, it can be there for sure. But um, you know, we get re-energized when we get big winds like like at Nigel Shores. Yeah. Well, Mandy Sackett, what a, what a pleasure to talk to you. The uh, California Policy Coordinator for the Surfrider Foundation of California, Tyler. This is a good interview. Mandy, thank great you. Great guest, I mean. Not a good interview. I mean, great guest. Well, again, uh, Mandy, uh, thanks for all you do out there in California. And yeah. thanks for coming on the show. And again, uh, thanks to Paul Jenkins for putting us in touch. Yeah. Yeah, well, likewise, thanks so much for having me. It's been a, a pleasure chatting, and um, and thank you for covering this topic and all the topics that you guys covered. It's great. Thanks a lot, Mandy. Have a good week. Okay, I'll talk soon. Bye-bye.